Welcome, or welcome back to Pre-Arb Excellence, a Roots-based Chicago Cubs podcast with an eye on player development. I'm, again, rebooting the podcast. It's, it's easier to do a podcast when the minor leagues are doing well, when you're doing a minor league podcast. And since things are starting to go well, I had one on the Sunday games, and frankly, there's a topic that ought to be discussed. And the best way for me to discuss it is in a podcast. I discussed it somewhat in an article. Oh boy, I'll get to that. Um, But the concept behind this podcast is July theory. July theory. Before I go any further, my father's funeral was on Friday. It's been a tricky week, weekend. There's been some good. There's been some bad. I'm dealing with things. Perhaps some things I'm even dealing with in a positive fashion. But with this specific podcast, July Theory, I'm going to go a bit retro and drag you, willingly or not, back to 2014. My dad and I, my dad liked to go to casinos, play table games, craps, play blackjack, uh, you know, do, do a little bit of this, a little bit of that, whatever. And um, he enjoyed it. He enjoyed it. It was fun. He enjoyed bantering with the people at the table, which I, which would be completely beyond my ability to banter with people about. That was not who I was. But uh, the funny thing is, a lot of minor league towns also have casinos. So he would hijack me to go to a casino, and I would hijack him to go watch a minor league baseball game, oftentimes with a Cubs affiliate involved. So we're going back to July of 2014. July of 2014. On Friday, we swing by Quad City. Quad City has a fantastic ballpark. Absolutely amazing looking. That game, we went there because there was a game. It wasn't a Cubs game, but uh, the next trip, I can't even remember which game it was specifically, who played, who pitched, who whatevered, but uh, it was a holdover to get us through until Des Moines on July 3rd, 2014. July twenty, July 3rd, 2014. I think Suyoshi Wada was the starting pitcher for the I-Cubs. He would later pitch briefly for the Chicago Cubs. And my memory from that game specifically. Well, Cubs lost a rather tight game. And a very young Javier Baez, as the game ended was heading down the left field line, 
chit-chatting about what had happened in the game with Manny Ramirez. That's my memory of that game specifically. Those two chit-chatting about whatever it is they were talking about. Uh, Chris Bryant played in the game, as I remember. Um, it was it was enjoyable. It was enjoyable being with my dad and my dad on seeing uh, the iCubs uh, venue filled to the brim on July 3rd because it was July 3rd and there were fireworks. And before the game, um, a Des Moines tradition, they had a citizenship oath. You know, the people who were becoming um, American citizens before the game, they, there would be the oath and they'd go through it. And it, it. It was really a good thing. It's a very good tradition that they have in Des Moines. Uh, so my memory from that is Manny and Javier Baez walking off into the distance. The next night, we doubled back and got to Clinton, Iowa, which now no longer has an affiliated team. And the... Yeah, that would have been Kane County. Kane County Cougars were playing at um, Clinton. And that game went very, very briskly. And uh, the way it ended up happening, you know, you, you want to have, you want to start your game so it's going to end at about, what, 9.15, 9.30? So you can have the fireworks? Well, they they set the starting time for the game. And it went, the game went too quickly. The um, King County won. Kyle Schwerber had a double, as I remember. Um, I, I don't get caught up in the, uh, Kyle Schwarber, this Kyle Schwarber, that, as far as he went to the Nationals, he, he served very well with the Cubs. I have no problem with Schwarber having fantastic success anywhere he goes. I'm glad he's doing well. Uh, but that game there that we attended, when the game was over, it wasn't dark enough yet. So what they did was they announced they were going to have about a half hour wait before they would start the fireworks so it could actually get dark enough to have the fireworks. And uh, My dad and I looked at each other. It's like, well, we can stick around for fireworks, which are cool and all. Nobody's leaving. They're all staying for the fireworks. We can get out of here right now and be two-thirds of the way to the motel before they even start the fireworks. And we were completely good with that. I think we stopped at a Walmart or something to get. I can't remember what it was we needed. But um, got home. Got to the motel room. I got my obligatory ice water. Because ice water is absolutely essential for me to be able to survive. And I flipped on my computer thingy. And just as I was flipping. Flipping on my computer thingy on July 4th, 2014. Ken Rosenthal with the blue check mark on Twitter was announcing the Addison Russell trade. Just as I walked in the door.
So, for the next two and a half hours, I was talking with people all over Twitter, all over everywhere, about this is what July Theory is about. The Cubs had earlier made a um, very reasonable financial offer to Jeff Samarja. Would you accept this sort of an extension? Samarja said, no, thank you. And um, he was gone. Shortly thereafter, he was gone. And Addison Russell was acquired in trade with Samarja and... Jason Hamill being sent to Oakland. The Cubs were absolutely forced to call up a pitcher from the I-Cubs. And as it happened, one of the players that shortly thereafter started pitching with the Cubs rotation was Kyle Hendricks. So you see how July Theory works. July Theory is about... This is a player who is dead money to us. Dead money. For instance, let's say uh, dead money is a term that I've run into occasionally. Back when I used to watch, the, uh, they, they'd show poker on ESPN. And you'd they would be talking about one specific player's hand. He, he might think he has a good hand. He might think he has a mediocre hand. He might be bluffing the entire way, but as they're looking at his hand, they say, this guy's dead money. He has no chance of winning this hand. There's nothing here. He cannot win. And if someone else has a really good hand and knows it, then uh, if you have dead money, it's not going to do you any good. So, for instance, let's look at the Chicago Cubs, the seventh inning guy for the Cubs in today's game was Dan Winkler. Dan Winkler did not have a good game, but he's generally had a rather good 2021 campaign. Dan Winkler is a free agent in the offseason. The Cubs aren't going to give him an extension. The Cubs probably aren't going to sign him next year, but they could sign him next year if they wanted to. And they could sign him next year if they wanted to, even if they traded him to someone else. Okay, so let's use Dan Winkler as an example. Some team, uh, Philadelphia. Let's use Philadelphia. Heck, let's, Cubs play Philadelphia four games this week. Maybe Dan Winkler has a good outing against the Phillies. Or maybe the Phillies are down a pitcher. They're down a pitcher, and they really would like to have someone be able to pitch for them that day. You know, between Tuesday and Wednesday, hey, I'd really like to add a relief pitcher today because this or that or the other thing happened. Well, should we get that guy from the Tigers? Should we get that guy from the, whichever team it is, whichever team it is. Uh, you know, the Phillies said, hey, let's trade for Dan Winkler. I'm just using this as a hypothetical. Just an absolute hypothetical. So, you know, hey, Jed, how you doing? Oh, okay, what you want? Uh, could we trade for Dan Winkler in the middle of the series? Now, if it were absolutely essential for the Cubs to win every single game for the rest of forever, and then, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, of course not. That, that, would, that would give you an advantage in this upcoming game. But frankly, the Cubs are dead money this year. I see it. 
I see it as the Cubs are dead money. Dan Winkler is not going to provide any value on into the future. So, how about this? The Cubs, if it were to happen that way, it could, probably won't, but it could. If the Phillies were to offer the Cubs an upgrade, an upgrade at either the Myrtle Beach or South Bend level, an actual honest-to-goodness upgrade, we're going to, Philadelphia says, we're going to give you a player that will make your Myrtle Beach or South Bend team better. Some specific player that is young enough and good enough to have an actual legitimate chance at being with the Cubs, the Chicago Cubs in 2023, 2024, 2025, somewhere in that range, in exchange for Dan Winkler. Why wouldn't the Cubs do it? It's July theory. July theory is about if you're not going to win it this year, if you're not going to make the playoffs this year, and you have a player who is a pure rental piece, you might as well trade him. You might as well trade him if someone's going to offer you an upgrade in your pipeline. Now, nobody's going to get bent out of shape if Dan Winkler gets traded, a couple people might get bent out of shape. If Jack Peterson gets traded, somebody might get a little tiny bit bent out of shape. If Jake Marisnik would get traded, Zach Davies was acquired to get traded. Honestly, there's 10, 11, 12 guys on the Cubs that could, if things play out, Get traded this month. It could happen. 10, 11, 12 players could get traded depending upon if other teams are willing to trade an actual honest-to-goodness pipeline upgrade. Now, some people will be going apoplectic, apoplectic, that I'm talking about trading players. Part of that is why I'm talking about Dan Winkler, who is not going to press anyone's buttons, likely. But July theory is about we're not if a team is not going to be in serious playoff contention. Moving on from rental pieces. Rex Brothers, Andrew Chafin. Craig Kimbrell isn't technically a rental piece. Kyle Hendricks certainly isn't a rental piece. Wilson Contreras isn't a rental piece. However, if someone makes a big enough offer for the future, at some point on down the line, players are going to get traded. And it's okay. Whatever your opinion is, it's okay. 
if your opinion is it is absolutely unacceptable that Jack Peterson get traded for that little, that's fine. If you say, I'm so blanking glad that we finally got rid of Who would be a guy that the Cubs would trade that some... They're not going to be able to trade Eric Sogard. I think he's uh, he's probably worth a podcast all on his own. But um, there are going to be trades. There are going to be trades. There are going to be multiplayer trades. There are going to be single-player trades. And some of the players that the Cubs receive in those trades will do absolutely nothing with the Cubs. Because it's really hard to tell who's going to get better. And that's what you're actually looking for. What you're looking for is not entirely who is the guy that was a fourth-round draft pick. It helps. But what you're looking for is, will this guy make the future of the Cubs better enough to make the trade. Andrew Chafin, he's been fantastic for the Cubs. I've been stunned how well he's done. Somebody ought to be interested in him. So if the Cubs end up trading Andrew Chafin, there you go, we're sending Andrew Chafin, and they're sending us a, oh, let's see, a third base upgrade. Oh, excuse, excuse me. The Cubs are, if the Cubs were to trade Andrew Chafin for a third base upgrade at the South Bend level, whoever that is, whatever his name is, whether he's from the Dominican Summer League from a number of years back or whether he was a free agent signing uh, in 2020, or whether he was a 2019 14th round. Andrew Chafin should not be with the Cubs in a month. There is no good reason for Andrew Chafin to be with the Cubs in a month. Andrew Chafin should be sent elsewhere. And with Andrew Chafin being sent elsewhere, bring up someone from the minor leagues. Let's say Jack Peterson goes somewhere else in a trade. Or Jake Marisnik. Either of those two. I, I, I use them interchangeably in this sort of scenario. I'll say Jake Marisnik now. Jake Marisnik gets traded along with a relief pitcher for somebody who is a um, catching upgrade for the Cubs at the South Bend level. Fair call? I say it is. So you send... Uh, Marisnik and Winkler to a team, and the Cubs get back a catcher at the advanced A-ball level. Since Marisnik is gone, now the Cubs can call up Michael Hermosillo to the parent club. They can also bring back up, bring up to the major leagues either Manny Rodriguez, who hasn't debuted at the major league level yet, or some somebody else. The Cubs' bullpen in Iowa is loaded. It's gorged. Those players should be at the major league level, some of them. 
and Andrew Chafin should be on a team that's trying for the play or that's going to be in the playoffs. Simply. And the Cubs ought to get something back for as many of those rental players as they possibly can because here's something that is lost on far too many very intelligent baseball people. Lost on far too many very intelligent baseball people. Player comes over to the Cubs. His numbers don't look any good. He's not going to be a major leaguer. He's terrible. The Cubs got screwed. I will literally hear that. There's two options. Two options. One is I can tell you exactly how well this player will be performing at the major league level in three years. I can tell you exactly how well this player will be doing at the major league level in three years. Or maybe I can tell you he will definitely be released and out of baseball or injured. But you are absolutely 100% sure you know exactly how well this player will be doing in three years. That's one option. You know what the other option is? I got no idea. I have no idea. I do not know how this player is going to be doing. So what I might as well do, sit back, watch, pay attention, listen to people who are watching his games, listen to people who are listening to his games, and be an informational sponge. If you know everything about how a player is going to be doing in three years exactly. I'm banking on you being full of shit. Just saying. For me, I have no idea if the Cubs acquire a player. When the Cubs acquired Addison Russell, did I know exactly how his career was going to play out for the next two, three, four years? No. No, there's a lot of stuff I didn't know. I knew that he was a highly rated talent. I knew he had done really well in the A's system. Um, and there's a whole lot of things I didn't know about. And wasn't going to learn about for a really long time. Addison Russell helped the Cubs for a while. Until such point as he no longer continued to help the Cubs. The Cubs are probably going to make seven trades this month. My guess is seven. I could be a bit off. I toss seven, so then you can go over, under, or you can go with a push. But I think seven trades is completely realistic. And the Cubs are going to get back players who a lot of people have never heard of. A lot of Cubs fans have never heard of him. You know what? Cubs are going to get back some players that I've never heard of. And you know what the most proper thing for me to say in that instance is? I never heard of this guy. I don't know a darn thing about Or maybe, oh, I remember. Let's see. He went to UAB. And I think I was listening to a UAB game against Memphis back about three years ago when he was in college. 
so I listened to like one, maybe two games of his, and that's my complete knowledge of him. That's complete knowledge of him. July theory is about bringing over players who are upgrades. Who are upgrades? Teams are allowed 180 players off of the 40-man roster in their organization. So if the Cubs trade, let's say Marisnik, and let's say Dan Winkler, and they get back some backup catcher, or they, they get some catcher, that they're going to use at the at the advanced day level. This guy is now the starting catcher at the advanced day level. He's the guy. He's the guy. He won't play every game like all the uh, like a lot of fans seem to want Wilson Contreras to be able to do. He's the guy at advanced day. Well, how's he going to do? Is he going to be? Is he gonna, if, I don't know. I have absolutely no idea. What I would do is. As I'm listening to South Bend games, how's this guy doing? Is he good at blocking pitches in the dirt? When he's at the plate, does he have power? Can he go deep? Um, when he has two strikes on him, does he take the pitch to right field to try to stay alive and settle for the opposite field single to continue the inning along? How is he at throwing runners out on the base? I don't know. I have absolutely no idea on these guys. So what I do is, when there's a game on, and that's the game that I'm listening to, I listen. I try to learn stuff. So now sometimes what will happen is, Cubs might make a trade to a team, get back a minor league player, call up someone. Now, what happens... When that other team trades a minor league player or two for a major league player or two, what often will happen is they will have to designate someone for assignment. This year, I don't know if you've noticed, I don't know if you've paying attention to the DFA portal, the DFA wire at all, but there have been a lot of teams who have gotten themselves into situations where, due to injuries, due to the 26-man roster, due to a number of different things, players that are getting designated for assignment. Sometimes this year have been a whole lot better than players who have been designated for assignment before. So sometimes players are getting designated for assignment. They're better than that. They should not be being designated for assignment, but they are because teams are having a 40-man crunch. So if the Cubs make this trade, they send two guys over to a squad. Hey, 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 how about this? Let's say they send Jake Marisnik and Dan Winkler to the Mets. And the Mets end up designating some pitcher for assignment. Maybe that guy that the Mets designate for assignment. The Cubs now all of a sudden have two free 40-man roster spots, or maybe just one. It becomes a whole lot more easy to collect a player off the DFA wire. You have an open 40-man roster spot. The Cubs haven't had that in a while. They've been trying to, you know, how, how can we do this? How can we do that without surrendering talent long-term?
They put um, Jose Lobaton on the 60-day disabled list because they don't want to have to lose anybody. If you're in a situation where you're trading out, you're trading veterans for prospects, sometimes there might be a player that gets designated for assignment that, you know what, let's pick this guy up. Jed picks up the phone. Hey, um, if that guy goes on waivers, we're going to claim him. Just want to let you know, we're going to claim him if he goes on waivers. So you're not going to get him back. I also say, as you well know, since you're a general manager in the league, baseball ops guy in the league, uh, the waiver fee is $50,000. We're going to commit to paying that $50,000 to get the guy. And in case you're interested, in case you're interested, we would give $80,000 to get that guy. We're not going to give you any talent. Heck no. But we'd give you $80,000. So if you're talking around with teams across the league and asking, are you going to be willing to trade player talent for this guy that we've designated for assignment? Are you willing to pay? It's useless taking a $50,000 waiver fee if someone is instead offering you $80,000. July theory can lead to some ugly August and September baseball. You know it and I know it. There's going to be some players that fans are saying, I wish he didn't get traded. I wish he was still around. I wish the owner extended this guy. I wish Jed Hoyer kept him around for another five or six or seven or eight years. And that's perfectly acceptable. But it's not likely to happen. As the Cubs go through July, as the Cubs explore July theory, slowly look down the Cubs roster. Some of those players are going to be gone. They're going to be gone and it's going to be perfectly acceptable for you to be angry they're gone. It can be perfectly acceptable for you to say, I'm still going to cheer for them, even when they're with another team. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> if Javier Baez gets traded to somebody, do you think I'm going to stop cheering for him? I stalked him to three different, league, three different cities in uh, the Midwest League. You think I'm going to stop cheering for him because he's not with the Cubs? No, I don't think so. Um, there are going to be some players that are traded because 2022, 2023, 2024 are being more highly prioritized than the rest of 2021 because that's what's smart. That's July theory. When the players are acquired. If the player is someone who you're not familiar with, if you want to get angry, get angry. I'm in that period of my life where 
somebody tells me that I shouldn't be getting mad over something. <laughs> if I'm going to get mad over something, I'm going to get mad over it. I'm going to get angry, I'm going to get angry. If I'm going to get depressed, I'm going to get depressed. Hopefully baseball isn't that for you. Hopefully baseball is a retreat, something you enjoy. And if the parent club is annoying you enough, go listen to a minor league game. But um, July theory for a team that realizes this probably isn't going to be the year. Trade this piece here. Trade that. Ooh, excuse me. Trade this piece there. Trade that piece there. Trade those two pieces over there. And get pieces back in return. And hopefully some of them play. Hopefully some of them work. Among my favorite Cubs trades was trading Alfonso Soriano to the Yankees for Corey Black. It never worked for Corey Black. He did really well his first season. He started to do okay in his second year, but then for like the next five or six years, he was injured. And when you're a pitcher who has his entire value on being able to throw really hard, if he can't throw really hard, there goes his value. But it was a very smart trade in that the Cubs acquired a player who had long-term upside and gave up somebody that was about done. If a player is not going to provide a whole lot more value for your team in important games, they should probably be traded if they have value. And that's going to upset some people. But July theory is about thinking of the future more than the present. And when I think of July theory, I think of getting back from that game that was particularly short, got back particularly early to the hotel, flipped on my computer, and saw that the Cubs had, five minutes earlier, traded for Addison Russell. And the rest of that night was absolutely magical because people were interested in July theory. And eventually it paid off. July theory this time, maybe it will pay off. Maybe it won't. But running players who have value in July all the way through the end of the season and not getting anything in trade for them is bad management. The Iowa Cubs have some players that could get called up to Chicago and at least represent. At least represent. July theory will piss off a lot of people. Since July theory is going to bring players that I will be able to follow the next few years in Myrtle Beach, 
in South Bend, in Tennessee, in Iowa, and maybe, 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 just maybe, in Chicago. I have no problem with July theory. Thanks for stopping by Pre-Arb Excellence. If you appreciate my podcast, if you appreciate my articles, if you appreciate my Twitter content, if you enjoy any of that kind of stuff, look me up on Patreon. Unless you can figure out the way to uh, contribute to my Anchor podcast, which I can't, can't even walk you through. But I enjoy doing this so that you are more aware of what's going on with the Cubs pipeline. If what I do is of value to you, toss a little back the other direction. I don't want to ruin your finances. You know what's fair. Thanks for listening. And as July Theory plays out, podcasts will be waiting. Have a great night. Thanks.